0: The Hottest Games, right from Vegas, and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at highfivecasino.com.
1: high 5 High5 Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at High5Casino.com. High 5 Casino.
2: I'm going out with the girls this weekend. Nails, done. Outfit, stunner. And my skin, I know it's going to be glowing because I glammed up my shower routine with new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash. It smells so luxurious and deeply moisturizes with its super rich, creamy lather that's bursting with vitamin B3 complex. So my skin glows and my confidence grows. Try new Olay Indulgent Moisture Body Wash for glowing skin in just 14 days.
3: Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
4: Hello, welcome to It Could Happen Here, the podcast that is my podcast now. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy, and with me is the Webby Award-winning Sophie Lichterman as our producer, <laughs> as well as the actual hosts of the show, who uh, go without mentioning because I don't see any reason to include them.
5: <laughs> Can that just be the intro to every episode from now yeah. on?
4: <laughs> <laughs> this is
6: better than our like all of our regular intros.
5: Oh, I loved that. Oh. Um. Yeah. So, uh, wh- what are we talking about today? Also, on podcast, Garrison Davis and Christopher Wong.
6: Hello. Yeah, So, so today we are we are talking about the sort of long and incredibly tragic history of Japanese anarchism. Well, okay, I should specify this: Japanese anarchism before World War II, because after World War II is an entirely different story. And uh, as much as I love people in construction helmets, just like beating the shit out of cops with large sticks. Uh, that story is extremely complicated. Uh, if you want to hear me uh, talk more about that story a little bit, uh, the third part of my Nobusuke Kishi episode has a lot of people in construction help us with sticks. But you know, this is you, you know, okay. So the, the the history of anarchism generally is is the history of tragedy. But e- even by by anarchist standards, the the history of Japanese anarchism is just an absolute welter of heartbreak and loss. Um, out of, of all of the people that we're going to talk about today, exactly one of the non-Russian anarchists is going to live to see world, the end of World War II, and he's Korean. Uh, yeah. Every single other person is either going to be executed by the state, assassinated, kill themselves, or
0: drink themselves to death. So well, this is uh, good to have this is this is an extremely bleak story in a lot of ways. Good to have one of those optimistic episodes every once in a while.
6: Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I think the 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 as the, the long optimistic- as no one gets
0: thrown
4: down a well.
6: Uh, uh well okay it's it's unclear whether anyone got thrown down a well. i'm sorry i'm skipping ahead and i yeah, don't actually I, know <laughs> we'll, we, we will get to the wells uh, yeah I, I also okay so th- there's a lot of japanese anarchists and we don't have that much time so if, if you're like in a sawa uh sakataro stan um i'm sorry uh we can't cover all of them and the other thing about the history of anarchism in Japan that is weird is that the beginning of the story predates their actually being anarchists in Japan, or specifically, their being Japanese anarchists. Um, th- th- there's this huge degree of sort of like cultural exchange and influence running between Japan and Russia by virtue of the fact that they are, you know, next to each other, um, and it- especially in the 1870s and 1880s. This is one of the sort of uh, th- this is important again because Russia in this period is like a ho- this is like the hotbed of anarchism, right? Like they're they're kill- they're mm-hmm. killing the czar, they're 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 doing all the things, they're going to the countryside, they're the, the Russian anarchists are sort of on the move, and a lot of famous Russian anarchists wind up like in Japan. Uh, Bakunin is there for like he, he like he has some extremely complicated arrangement. Who he like, he like sneaks on a boat. And he like gets out, and he beats one of the sort of like samurai like Meiji uh, restoration revolutionaries, and they chat for a bit, and then he leaves. So he he you know Bakunin's not.
4: This is like, when he was escaping Siberia.
6: Yeah, well, I think yeah, he, he's escaping Siberia, and then he somehow convinces like the American embassy or something to like let him on a boat to Japan. It's it's a very all weird right. story, as like all things Bakunin are, but. The, the the most prominent anarchist to spend time in Japan is uh, Lev Meshnikov. Um Meshnikov is like he's like a pretty big deal in, in Russian revolutionary circles. Like he's he's considered like Okay, so the the, the the big sort of like anarchist left-wing movement in Japan is 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 the populist, right? It's called the Rodnicks. Um and there, there's two big figures in it. There's uh Nikolai Chernachevsky and uh this guy. Uh Lev Menchikov and you know he's uh Menchikov like he knows everyone he knows like he, he's friends with just like every single person and we will get to more of his friends later but like he's a counterpart of bakunin um he he, he has he has a very similar career to bakunin in a lot of ways where he just sort of like runs around especially like Eastern Europe he's like runs around the world being in revolutions
4: mm-hmm.
6: um which is good work if you can get it yeah yeah it's it's pretty exciting and he doesn't die which is sort of incredible oh well, yeah, love,
0: yeah. love that for him. So
6: he's yeah, still he's around.
0: By like, far- a <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: This
6: is very sad. You know. Well, I mean, he, he, he. he you know, look, look. This is this is the goal of Russian cosmism. No, is it actually cosmism? I have no, no. idea. Yeah, the, I think it's the, cosmism. The cosmonaut people.
4: Who yeah, are like, yeah,
6: yeah. They would bring back all the dead people.
4: Oh no, I don't know about this. I only know a weird thing where there was like anarchist cosmonauts in like 1920s Russia.
6: Yeah, yeah. So their the, their their whole thing was like, uh, okay. So they 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 thought that the anarchists had like been defeated in the revolution because they were insufficiently committed to bringing the dead back to life, and that 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 you know their whole thing was like they they like they're they're some of the people who were involved in like the Soviet like rocket programs, and they're doing this because they want to colonize the moon and Mars so they can fit all of the dead proletariat they're going to bring back to life
4: wait are you telling the truth to me yeah are you this is this is all true this is this is amazing incredible. i've been <laughs> i've been trying to fight for um the anarchist necromancer league for so long which our slogan is um raise the dead to fight like hell for
0: the living <laughs> <laughs> That's that real... it's incredible. but yeah no like uh the russian cosmism it's a weird one cosmism it's like a weird mix of like like natural philosophy quote-unquote which is just like different forms of like folk magic or whatever and like religion and spiritual stuff but also it's like a predecessor to like the modern transhumanism um it's an it's an interesting little collection of of ideas that was popular yeah. at like the very beginning of the 20th century it, it, it's, it's okay. part of my thesis that uh no one normal has ever been involved in the production of a
6: rocket like it's i like, mean like you have this, jack parsons, jack parsons. you have yeah. the cosmists <laughs> are like on the soviet end and then there's just like the nazis and it's like oh zero normal people
4: i have no counter argument there was that <laughs> because there was the guy who did all the multi-stage rocketry the nihilist who killed the czar who built the bomb that killed the czar he like when i talk about this in my podcast
0: oh probably you, already you, listened to this you, you have a podcast whoa
4: yeah, I really just, I'm here. I'm going to plug this every, like, five minutes on <laughs> this episode. <laughs> um, you could learn about the bomb maker who killed the Tsar and his uh, what he brought to the world in terms of rocketry and uh, manned rocket travel. Anyway, uh, uh, please continue. On,
5: on, what, on what show, Margaret?
4: Well, okay, is this podcast that I'm recording on right now? When does it come out? When on are you listening Thursday. to it, dear readers? Okay, well, then next Monday... You can listen to cool people who did cool stuff, which is this. my podcast. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> good at my job. Anyway, my job is to interrupt you with. Please tell me more about the cosmos and how they relate to Japan. The cosmos actually has nothing to do with this, uh, unfortunately. Oh, um, okay.
6: But yeah, but uh, uh Lev, uh, Lev Meshnikov, like he also, so he he like fights with Garibaldi to reunify Italy. He's just like all over the place. Yeah, but he, yeah. he he's an interesting guy because, okay, so there's, like, a lot of foreigners who go to Japan, but he, like, makes Japanese friends and, like, learns Japanese before he goes there, which makes him, like, utterly different than, like, 99% of the people who are writing, who are like, Westerners who are writing about Japan in this period who, like, don't speak very good Japanese and never leave their houses.
4: So nothing has changed.
6: Yeah, yeah. Ex- well, ex- ex- mm-hmm. except
4: weirdly, this one this
6: guy's doing better.
4: Oh no, and- I mean nothing has changed from now. Oh where yeah, no, yeah, where no Westerners actually—they just pretend to care about Japan. Okay, uh-huh. yeah,
6: it's a—it's—it's it's time. There's actually this, that's one of the running themes of these two episodes. Is like there's a lot of stuff about this about anarchism and about Japan. Just like don't change. But the, you know, so one of the things that uh, Meshnikov winds up doing is he winds up spending two years teaching at this thing called the Tokyo School of Foreign Languages, and this this has a bunch of major impacts. One of which is is on Meshnikov himself, who he, he becomes heavily influenced by by the major restoration, which he thinks of as like this, like he he looks at it, at this as like as a revolution, like this is an anti feudal revolution. This is the most successful social revolution of the 19th century it's like he thinks that it's like destroyed the sort of stratified class system and creates this like possibility of like mass social mobility for commoners and okay so this is like not the best interpretation of what's going on (laughs) with with the Meiji restoration where i mean so the Meiji restoration sort of ends the feudal system in, in, in japan it does a lot of other bad things what is it
4: like i don't know that much about this yeah, yeah, and So okay, maybe so, the audience doesn't either.
6: Okay, so the Major Restoration is a thing that happens where so so Japan has been ruled by a shogun for like a long time.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: And the shogun runs a feudal system. It's very elaborate. Everyone has all these sort of rigid hierarchical castes. But eventually there's this kind of um Like th- there's there's this sort of it's complicated. It's this kind of nationalist movement by a bunch of, um, like, a bunch of the samurai clans, who uh, this is this is happening in the 1860s, and they mobilized to overthrow like the shogunate and basically like restore the emperor to power. The emperor has been like a, a puppet head, like figurehead mm-hmm. guy for like 200 years, and they bring him back to power. I because I'm a hack, I'm a fraud, and a fraud. I'm forgetting their exact slogan. It's some. It's something like. It's revere the emperor, and I can't remember what the other part of the slogan is. It's very similar to the, to the Box Rebellion slogan. It's it's this sort of. I mean, there's a lot of things going on here. It's kind of a reaction to so it, it, in the in the 1860s, like Japan is sort of forcibly opened to the world by like Commodore Perry showing up with a bunch of like the largest gunboats anyone has ever seen, um, and this like this forces Japan to sort of like abandon its isolationist positions. And yeah, and, and you know, and you 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 get this sort of class of intellectuals who are looking at this and are going like, okay, if we don't do something, like we're gonna get colonized. Mm-hmm. And so they do, and the thing that they do is that they do this revolution and they overthrow, um, they they overthrow the shogunate. There's all this like, there's there's like a trillion anime set in this period because there's like there, there's there's like like there there are there are squads of samurai swordsmen like running around like stabbing each other in Tokyo and like Kyoto and like it's it's wild. It, it is it is a it is a time. And, and this sort of – this is what sort of consolidates the modern Japanese nation state. Um, you know, I, I've talked about this in my Kishi episodes. But like, it sets off this wave of colonialism. They, like, they conquer Hokkaido. They conquer the Ryoku Islands. They do all this horrible colonialism stuff. But there's – there's it, it's really unclear what the revolution is actually going to mean because, like, there, there has been a revolution, right? Like, the the mm-hmm. sort of, like, feudal like, – class system has been swept away there's all of this sort of there's all this this energy in the masses there's like one of one of the things that uh uh meshnikov finds is like he so he, he gets to japan in like the, in like the 18th I think it's the 1870s um and he's seeing like the first signs of discontentment with with the the sort of the the the, the major restoration um which is like the restoration of the emperor um mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of people who look at this and we're like, Oh hey, we're gonna we finally like defeated this sort of oligarch class that like rules all of us. And then there's a new oligarch class and they're like, Wait, hold on. And so like, there's there's like there's a series of like ex samurai rebellions, there's this whole sort of like like he he like uh Metryakov literally like gets there in the middle of an uprising. And okay. he's just like in the streets and he has no idea what's going on because the guy he'd been talking to winds up being in the uprising and you know, so he gets there, and, but but what what he sees also is he sees this upheaval, but he sees this enormous network of like cooperative movements. Um, and he sees a bunch of mutual aid groups. He sees like villages who are like pooling all of the resources so they can send kids to like school in the cities. He sees like he sees the government failing to provide services for people because there's an uprising going on, and also that the government and so people are sort of people are taking care of each other, mm-hmm. and this has an enormous influence on him. Um. And he starts to, you know, like the way he thinks about anarchism changes, and he's, he's like, he he starts to think about sort of like anarchism as cooperation, like mutual cooperation between people, cool. like mutual aid enters this sort of lexicon. And okay, so there's a there's a a a, a modern historian named uh, Shou Konoshi who writes this book called uh, Anarchist Modern Anarchist Modernity Cooperatism. Wait, hold on. Yeah, anarchist modernity, Cooperatism and Japanese-Russian uh, intellectual relations in modern Japan, and he makes the argument basically it's really that like a catchy like, title. Yeah, it, it, there's there's two there, 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 there the, it, it's a, it's a better title than I'm reading it because there's there's two there's like a, a heading and like a subheading. And okay, write uh-huh. it straight because I'm yeah, a clown. Yeah. But he, he's making the argument that this this is like this is actually like something that's very important in the development of narco communism because this guy he knows everyone like the, the anarchist geographer like uh Elise recluse mm-hmm. I, I, I can't pronounce his name
0: I think uh, it's like, reclu
4: reclu yeah I think I, so but I, I can't uh, not it. with a gun to my head I'm not sure yeah
6: anyway yeah like they're roommates like oh, they're shit. like they're, like they lived together for like a while and like he 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 writes the Japan entry and like the encyclopedia uh he's friends with Kropotkin mm-hmm. and after after his his sort of like thoughts starts to change about mutual aid you start to see a lot of the same stuff like you know, like this is like he, he's there before Kropotkin writes mutual aid. And then you see you see all the sort of mutual aid stuff popping up with Kropotkin. And, you know, I, I don't know how seriously to take the argument that, like, you're sort of seeing like that that a lot of this theory is sort of a rebound of a reflection of what they were seeing in Japanese society. But it's interesting. And I think I should mention it because. I don't know, like there's there's this whole sort of intellectual sphere of people who are like associated with anarchists the other thing that Mm -hmm. happens in this period is that like um so there's a bunch of like meshnikov like has a bunch of friends in russia who all got arrested because they were in like terrorist groups and he he's able to get like a whole bunch of these people to like he's able to get them like exiled and their exile is they go to japan they teach with him and so suddenly okay there's like a bunch of people who are now like these, people, these these populists are like writing stories about like the stuff they were doing and like all the people who are still fighting in in Russia. So there's suddenly there's all these people who are like reading about the Russian populists mm-hmm. uh, in Japan and and you know and this is there's there's this kind of like anarchist cultural sphere that exists in Japan like before there's anarchists, um, like before the other big Japanese example, anarchists. Yeah, yeah, for Japanese yeah. anarchists, there'll, there'll be like one. Like, yeah, there's like a couple of Russian anarchists and like, yeah, but uh, like uh, uh, Meshikov leaves at one point. The the other big thing with this is Tolstoy, who is like Tolstoy in in like the the, the 1880s, 1890s, like early 1900s. He's like he's the like he he, I think he's like the, the most translated author like on Earth in Japan. And it's they're not just reading his like literary work, they're reading his like theology his political work, which is important mm-hmm. because Tolstoy is like a Christian anarcho-pacifist, right? Yeah. And and this influences this, there's this kind of like th- there's there's a lot of sort of like left-wing anti-imperial strains of Christianity that pop up in Japan. And this mm-hmm. is one of the reasons huh. for it. Because everyone's reading Tolstoy. And so you 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 get the seeds of this anarchist movement that Eventually sprout into a man named. uh Oh God, this guy's name is actually hard. Kotoku Shusui. I, I, I'm butchering the last part of it. I'm sorry. My Japanese does not extend to this many U's and I's in a row. But Kotoku, Kotoku. He's he, he's an interesting guy because so he doesn't. So he he has like a whole career before he becomes an anarchist. He's he's like he's a very prominent like, journalist, intellectual. Like he mm-hmm. writes in a newspaper; it's very famous. Everyone reads it, and he's the heir apparent to this other like very famous sort of liberal uh, journalist. Who again, because Lev Meshnikov knows literally everyone, was like a friend of Lev Meshnikov. I don't. He just knows every single person on earth.
4: It's incredible. I, yeah. No, that rules that's yeah, like it's goals like, you know
6: yeah I mean, unless he I mean, ever turned
4: is... if he ever snitched to be terrible
6: uh apparently he <laughs> d- never did so yeah yeah no it's... no yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah i mean he's still around so i mean he he still
6: could snitch he's yeah. still around <laughs> he still has the chance oh i guess everyone he was snitch on is dead so uh,
4: hmm. makes it the harder the ethics get blurrier yeah yeah
6: so Kodoku is like he, he's kind of like a standard liverpool but he gets involved with the, with the anti war movements. Um, specifically, this is, this is the the anti. Uh, uh, well, it's, it's anti a lot of wars because the J- Japan is fighting an enormous series of wars in like the early nineteen hundreds.
4: Um, yeah, they kicked Russia's ass at that point.
6: Yeah, yeah, I mean, the they fight. I they know. fight uh, Japan. They oh, fight Japan. Sorry, they fight China. Yeah, uh, and okay. do do you know who else is fighting China?
4: I I don't oh. know. I'm afraid to know. The products and services
6: that support the
4: show. Are we supported by American nationalism?
6: Apparently. Yes. Question mark?
7: $50 off now until Father's Day. Visit dot com backslash father to get $50 off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand.
3: Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season.
6: Back with the first rush with the first actual Japanese anarchist. So, I- I- in 1900, Kodoku writes this book called Imperialism Monster of the 20th Century, which is See, like there's a better that's a good title. title, good yeah. title, yeah, yeah, great title. No he notes. rules, and, and this is significant for a number of reasons. One of which is that, like, this is one of the first major like books about imperialism. Like, th- th- there are some other Western writers whose stuff like predates this, but like. This is 1900. This is before Lenin has written about imperialism. This is before, like, Hobson. This is before Luxembourg. And I'm just going to read a little bit from it because it rules. So this is from the first section. It's called Imperialism, a wildfire in an open field. (laughs) Imperialism spreads like a wildfire in an open field. All nations bow down to worship this new god, sing hymns to praise it, and have created a cult to pay pay it adoration. Look at the world that surrounds us. In England, both governments and citizens have become fervent acolytes of imperialism. In Germany, the war-loving emperor never loses a chance to extol its virtues. As for Russia, the regime has long practiced a policy of imperialism. France, Austria, and Italy are all delighted to join the fray. Even a young country like the United States has recently shown its eagerness to master this new skill. And finally, this trend has reached Japan. Ever since our great victory in the Sino-Japanese War... Japanese of all classes burned with fervor to join the
4: race for an empire, like a wild horse freed from its harness. So, I you know, the one thing that he got incorrect is as I understand by spending a lot of time on Twitter, is that actually only the United States is imperialist and any That's actions true. especially by Russia, I was very confused that he included Russia as the I can't finish this sentence with a straight face. <laughs> <laughs> it's- um What Russia would be? Also, how could it be imperialism if Lenin hadn't yet defined the term for us? Oh, this is okay. This is the whole thing. Okay,
6: so so Kodoko gets like a lot of shit from this book because for like from later on, from Japanese leftists, because they're like he's insufficiently materialist. And it's like yeah, he is mostly just talking. Like the book's mostly about like how patriotism and nationalism like create this stuff. It doesn't look at economics much, but like oh no, okay. Th- there's a whole problem here, which is that if you try to apply Lenin's definition of imperialism to Japan, it doesn't work. Because, like, like when Japan is invading China, they have, like, I think it's, like, 50 total factories. Yeah. Like, they, 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 everything is completely backwards.
0: Yeah. Like, it's, like...
6: Yeah, and, like, you know, like, so, like, like, like Lenin's imperialism is supposed to be, like, the highest stage of capitalism. But then you go to Japan, Japan's, like, barely started the transition to capitalism. Like, if Lenin's imperialism is supposed to be about, like, debt exports, right? But Japan is just conquering countries while they're just literally, like, borrowing... Yeah. Like massively from other states to fund their industrializations. Everything does nothing none of it works. And Kodoku gets like again, he, he has he has like a lot of shit for this, but it's like, no, he's right. Like Lenin yeah. is Lenin is wrong. Lenin's analysis, if you try to apply it to Japan, does not work. And Kodoku's does. So Imagine. You know, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> and you know, Kodoku, I think like he he's keyed into things that the Marxists aren't like specifically about like about the power of nationalism because Mm -hmm. you know i mean like obviously if if you you go a bit later it's like well all of these people who are like oh imperialism is the highest age of capitalism and then all of their parties vote to go to war with each other in world war one like Mm -hmm. you know okay kotoko i think like gets this because his relationship to socialism and anti-imperialism are like backward from the marxists right where the the marxists arrive at anti-imperialism like from their marxism Mm -hmm. but kotoko like becomes a socialist because he sees it as a way to stop wars like yeah. that's like his big thing is he's he's in the anti-war movement. He wants his wars to stop.
4: And that's, just, this, that's the right direction to do shit. Yeah, you should do shit because like, you don't pick the label. Because what's cool, you pick you figure out what you believe and then you pick the label that fits what you believe instead of the other way around. You know. Yeah, and and you know, and, and it means that he's less sort of like he, he's less dogmatic
6: than like his successors mm-hmm. because. You know, I mean, because because he he he's he's working off of his actual principles versus mm-hmm. sort of like this like dictation stuff. And I mean, he's he he in 1903 he publishes the Essence of Socialism, which is like this is like the first like socialist like book written by a Japanese person. It's like one of the I think there's maybe like one or two other ones that are before, but this is this is like the first big one. Okay. And he so he he's also like he's involved in founding the Japanese Socialist Party, and then he gets like arrested and sent to the U.S. <laughs> and something happens when he's in the U. I don't know. There's, I've seen like six conflicting accounts. Like I've seen accounts that say he joins, he joins the IWW. I, I don't know. I've seen other people say he lived, he lived in a commune. Like he definitely read Kropotkin. He like becomes an anarchist. Let's decide he did all of these things. Yeah. He lived, lived in a commune and tried to organize the commune with the IWW. Yeah. But you know, I mean, he—he, he, this guy is enormously influential in the history of the Japanese left. Like, he is the guy when he comes back in 1906. He's the guy who introduces the concept of the general strike to Japan. Yeah, like he's the first guy to write about it. He's very cool. He—he he also like, yeah, you know, he—he he, he starts pushing this and start this. He starts pushing anarchism and sort of direct action as an, like instead of like doing parliamentary stuff. And he translates like Kropotkin's work in Japanese. He translates the, like the the Communist Manifesto. He does labor mm-hmm. organizing. He's sort of like all over the place and. You know, like, labor and the anti-war movement are, like, two of the, like, big currents that are producing anarchists. But the the other, like, big current that's making anarchists this period is feminism. Because, okay, so, I stop me if this is in any way surprising, but the late 1800s and early 1900s are not a time to be a woman in Japan. What? Really? Yeah. Yes. It's not a good time, like, anywhere. But yeah. it's not, not even
0: now, it's not the best yeah like, i mean it, i will it say it could be
6: improved i will say it's 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 better than this this it's, is like sure whew, like the, the the major regime is sort of like consolidating itself as it's consolidating itself it gets like progressively more like patriarchal misogynist um i'm gonna i'm gonna read from the book uh reflections on the way to the gallows which is this it's this is a, a great book it's it's, it's also like, it's a, a collection of yeah well so it that that's uh oh god i forget one, one of the Japanese anarchists who's about to die, like, that's the title of, like, a piece that she wrote, um, and they the, the, this book is, like, a collection of Jack, of Japanese feminist writings, mostly from people who get killed by the state, because that's what happens when you're a feminist <laughs> in Japan in this period. Um, oh, Yeah, it's bad. All right. Okay, so I'm going to read the quote from this. In 1892, the government forbid women to make political speeches, and in 1890 made it illegal for women to participate in political activities whatsoever. Women were forbidden to even listen to political speeches. The police security regulations of 1900 reinforced these strictures. Article 5 of the regulations prohibited women from forming any political organization whatsoever. Jesus. Yeah, it's like that's like a level of restriction that like. I'm not sure I've ever seen like that explicit level of no, you can't do this.
4: Yeah, I feel like it's usually implicit in a lot of Western yeah. countries. And then also, like, one of the things that really strikes sticks out to me about that is that I'm so used to thinking about... I think people tend to think about, like, this, like, linear progress model where, like, if you go back really far, like, all women and all other oppressed categories had it terrible and then it just slowly gets better or whatever. But if they're passing these laws in 1900, there's an implicit it was a little better before 1900. Oh, yeah.
6: Yeah, it, it, it very explicitly gets worse on, um, yeah. like... So one one of the things with the 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 eighteen ninety-eight legal codes is that it like it literally just legally enshrines like patriarchal control of the households. And this this is this is this is a massive reactionary shift in jack in sort of Japanese like domestic and political culture. Like this like that that kind of patriarchal control of the household was like a thing in some samurai families, but like it wasn't a thing for there there's a huge number of popular classes like just that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And they just legislated into existence. And like You know, I mean, like the the, the things that the things that they're applying here, like women need consent of their father to marry Um, is for this another quote for the book. One of the provisions held that, quote, cripples and disabled persons and wives cannot undertake any legal
4: action. Fucking hell. Uh huh.
6: Yeah. So this is this is this is an incredibly reactionary state. And there's also like there's a lot of sex trafficking going on, like like actual like there's a lot of people just being grabbed off the street. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a it's a. It, it is a disaster, and it, it 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 is into this patriarchal mess that like several generations of Japanese narcofeminists feminists step into. Um, the, the most famous of the first round is Kanō Sugako, who's she she's a, a socialist author who converts to well, she's originally a socialist and she converts to anarchism, which is like a thing that happens a lot in this period. And so she she's working as a journalist, and you know she she's she's like she's a very sort of controversial figure. The government like hates her. So she meets Kotaku, and they have an affair. And this is, like, one of the other things that keeps happening here is there's a lot of, like, free love stuff going around mm-hmm. the Japanese anarchist circle at this time. Uh-huh. And this, uh, this has two consequences. One is a lot of men use it to be really shitty. And uh-huh. two, it means there was, like... <laughs> there is a again this is, this is this is this is the big like nothing has ever changed in the anarchist movement there are so many relationship drama things <laughs> nothing like, has changed there time, are so many
0: times the flat circle <laughs>
6: like like there are two different times when the most famous japanese anarchist man and the most famous japanese anarchist women wind up in a relationship uh it ends with it the, with them splitting the movement and them, and them both dying in prison like uh-huh. this happens twice <laughs> That exact <laughs> sequence happens twice. It's nuts. It's, it's like they're they're just they're just doing polycule shit. Like it's, oh.
4: they just need better mediators. Yeah, uh-huh.
6: yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean this is, this is a thing with like the Japanese like so the, the Japanese anarchist movement like has a huge feminist wing, but like the men still suck.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
6: they just keep being bad, and so. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing about this is that uh, Kano Sugako is like enormously more militant than like almost every other any other anarchist that's alive in Japan at this point. And so she, in 1910, she gets involved with the plan to assassinate the emperor. Um, and th- this becomes known as the High Treason Incident. And the state like gets wind of this. They arrest her. They arrest uh, uh, Kotaku, and they arrest like 22 other. I think 22 yeah 22 other anarchists um now like five of these people are like even tangentially involved in this plot um but they this is okay so i i i can't say that the 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 japanese government only does this to anarchists because they do this to fascists like once but like they do this thing where okay so they have a bunch of people that they want to execute right so they, they find one person who's like an ideological figure and they're like, okay, you're now in the middle of this, and you're the link between, like, this group and this other group who want to kill, and this other group who want to kill, and this other group who want to kill. And so they convict, uh, like, Shusyo, um and uh, Kanosagaku. Like, they, they all get convicted, and they all get executed. Yeah, and so th- th- this case is also interesting because there's a bunch of people who the, the state, like, wanted to kill but they couldn't because they'd already arrested. They'd already did like, this is like two years after like a mass arrest Mm -hmm. of like half of the Japanese anarchist movement. And so they have all these people who are in prison and it's like, even by like the standards of the Japanese state, Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, how are we going to convict all of these people who have been in prison for two years of trying to, of like being a part of this plot to kill the emperor that was like organized outside of the jail. Uh, uh And so this, this is the thing that saves like, a huge portion of the Japanese anarchist movements <laughs> that saves it from literally so like the, the, this the, the treason incident kills like most of the famous anarchists in Japan, but it leaves like like a couple alive, and that's why they're alive because they were all in
4: prison. Oh God! Wait, how are they going to kill the emperor?
6: Uh the the plan didn't get very far. I, no. I think they were trying to use a bomb, mm-hmm. but the police got wind classy. of it like very very early. Not classic. So they, they never really got much like past the planning stage okay um this is a shame yeah yeah and uh do do, do you know what else never gets uh very far past past the planning stage when they're trying to assassinate the emperor of japan
4: uh Um, is it the ads because they don't know how to do direct action because they're too enmeshed in capitalism
0: that that is that is actually exactly what we were talking about margaret thank you so much
3: The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome
6: to Bird We're back. I I, I was genuinely trying to see if I could like think of of a company that had like tried to kill the Japanese emperor, and I couldn't think of one. And I was like, "Hmm, this says something about society."
4: This does. This is a real, real solid critique we have here. I really hope that uh, ten years from now, this all seems very dated. You're like, of course, someone major (laughs) company has tried to. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Please continue. One can dream. (laughs) So. Kano
6: Sogaku is dead. Kotaku is also dead, uh, and this this means that it's time for sort of like another generation of of anarchists to try to fill in the gaps. Wait, so they're executed? Um, yeah, yeah, they're dead. Like okay. they, they just die. They, they kill. They kill. They kill like twenty two of the anarchists or something. Okay. And I mean this is a, this is a huge purge. I mean they they, okay. they wind up executing just like there's just like a, a like a, a, a sympathetic like Buddhist priest mm-hmm. gets executed. Um, uh. When is this? Uh, th- this is 1911. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, this is 1911. Um, And actually, th- th- there's another interesting thing about this. Uh, Kano Sugaku becomes the first woman ever executed by the Japanese state. Uh, She will not be the last. Oh. Like, oh boy.
0: Um, Feminist icon.
4: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> equal rights, equal fights. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs>
6: There, there, there's another, like, very influential anarcho-feminist uh, who's emerged slightly after, like, just, like in, like, 1914-1915, um, is Ito Noe. She, she's an egoist anarchist who eventually, yes, like...
0: Yes! Finally! Yeah. <laughs> finally, we bring it up!
6: Uh, that, that's all I have to say about egoism, <laughs> but that's, like, almost all I have to say. But she, she, she takes over the editorial position of... This uh, this magazine called Blue Stocking Magazine, which is like Japan's. I think it's, like, it's like this is like the most important feminist magazine in Japan, and she takes over the editorial staff about it. And mm-hmm. her her work is really interesting in a lot of ways because it, it 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 just it just straight up is contemporary feminism in a way that like a lot of the stuff in this period isn't. Like if 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 you go and read the arguments she's having, she's arguing that sex work should be legal and that everyone should be able, should be able to get abortions because women should have autonomy over their bodies. Yeah,
0: it's like Ego- so oh, Egoists hey. keep winning. well, yeah. some, well sometimes. Yeah. Well, hey. this is this is, this
4: is not going to end well for her. Oh, well, man, okay, for yeah, sure. But you know what? Well, that is
0: also a trap. It
4: doesn't end well for any of us in a long enough timeline. You know, like all that matters is the time. What That's we true, do but with this the time is, this is we are particularly given. bad. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah. So
6: yeah, and I think so she's able to do this for like a year. And the Japanese state looks at this and is like absolutely not, and and shuts the magazine down. Um so she she gets forced to move on to other things. And the other thing she moved on, she moves on to is uh being extremely heavily involved in the free love movement.
0: Of course, yeah. Yeah,
6: and and but also, and this is the thing that's that's interesting about this sort of period of Japanese uh anarchism is that like the egoists are all also syndicalists. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and she she so she, she's like heavily involved in labor organizing. And this is how she comes into contact with her partner, who she's like cheating on her imprisoned husband who will later form the Japanese Communist Party. Oh wow. With, that is a, that's a lot of
0: stuff happening.
6: There's there there's so much there's so much beef. Uh <laughs> this is, a, this is a soggy... Keys. It's incredible. It there's there's so th- this th- like we haven't even gotten to the wild part of this relationship yet okay which so so okay so she, she comes into contact with her partner or person who will become her partner uh, Osagi Sakai who is like dating another very famous Japanese narcofeminist mm. who uh, she stabs him in the neck over the fact that he's in multiple relationships at once so this wasn't really a free love
4: situation it. from her point of view
0: okay <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah, this is the, this is the thing that keeps happening with free love. In this period, it's like you gotta
0: like you gotta lay down. You, uh-huh. you gotta make sure everyone's okay with everything. They sh- sure seem to say <sighs> see the right things in theory, but then yeah. in practice, they sure
6: yeah, <laughs> sure do fall apart, huh? Isn't and, uh, that funny? Yeah, and this too divides the the Japanese anecdote. But did movement. she
4: win? Did she succeed? Did she kill him, or did he survive the the next? No, he survived. I mean, okay, yeah. I'm just yeah, I have a and, there's a special place in my heart for. Uh, Slit, <laughs> slit throats of patriarchal men yeah <laughs> anyway so
6: uh, Osugi Sakai is also very heavily involved in labor organizing and mm-hmm. he, he he's one of the guys who like turns anarchist labor into like a serious political force okay which is maybe it's like, good so that he survived he, yeah like it's
0: fine, probably net fine.
6: good but I, th- th- good. I, I, all of the guys in this story like suck except do I have an accept here? What about the Korean guy who... Um, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll get to him. Yeah, he, he's... he's. I kind of like I him. think he's actually fine. Yeah, yeah I, I think maybe the end of his story gets weird. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, but, yeah, so Osagi Sakai has, like... He has, he has this, like, fusion of, like, egoism and syndicalism where, like, the individual ego will be liberated through, like, collective action, but the goal of the workers' movement is not to just, like, end poverty. It's to, like, liberate the individual and give them self-development. And he's also this, like incredibly fierce like like one like his big thing is that like he does not want intellectuals anywhere near the workers movement <laughs> like <laughs> okay, just does okay. Not. i'm just like, into this no absolutely not yeah and this is because like again he's been around for ages like mm-hmm. he becomes an anarchist around the time when um kotaku does in, like that's no six so mm-hmm. he, he's been like around and he's one of the guys who survives the high treason incident because he was already in prison mm-hmm. um, <laughs> okay all right and so he, he 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 like he's one of the people who like keeps the sort of flame of anarchism alive after like the in nineteen eleven. But unfortunately for him, um, and for Ito Noe, they get caught up in the the Kanto earthquake of nineteen twenty three, which is this mm-hmm. like this earthquake be- between Yokohama and Tokyo alone kills two hundred thousand people. It is like it is like it is one of the worst like
4: national disasters. It's it's really bad, and it immediately gets worse. The state wouldn't use a natural disaster to try and further its aims through extra legal means.
6: Yeah. Uh, so, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to start with, with one of the ways that the uh, genocide of Korean people in Japan at this time starts is, so th- th- there's a bunch of uh, Korean workers in a longshore union that's been organized by this built-in like, leftist union guy named Yamaguchi Sakai, and, and Okay, so, like, they're in this long union. There's this disaster. They start doing mutual aid. They start going out. They start taking care of survivors. They start giving people food. But, you know, they, they're, they like, waving red flags and stuff. And the Japanese police lose their minds and are like, oh, my God, they're the the, the, the Koreans are doing socialism.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: And they just start killing them. Okay. And they... Th- there's this whole thing about, like, there's like, these rumors start that like, Koreans are raping Japanese women, and it turns into this thing about, like, looting. And then, like... Korean malcontents are supposed to be like overrunning police stations and the lynch mobs. The the lynch mobs are mostly targeting Koreans, but they're also targeting like if you're Chinese, if you're from Ryoku Islands, like they're killing you too. Um, they kill two thousand Koreans in Tokyo and another two thousand in Yokohama, and like two thousand Koreans in Yokohama, that is half the Korean population of the city. Fuck. And these people die like horribly, like and it's not just like so the, the police is at, are actively hunting them down. Like the entirety of Japanese society, like remembers that they really like killing people and they really like fighting. And like I mean, you have people like taking their like ceremonial swords from like their ancestors who were in the major revolution. Like they're taking their katanas and going in the street and murdering people with them. Like people just like have fish hooks and they're just murdering people in the street. And this goes on for like this goes on for days. And one of the things that happens in this is, um, well, okay, so the, the one of the the other thing that happens in this period is that the, the, the Japanese government just starts like arresting random leftists and executing them. Yeah, and that's what was supposed to happen to Noah to Ito Noe and Osage Sakai, but they get arrested by a squad of military police led by uh, Masahiko. Amakasu um, who just he just murders them. Um there's like conflicting stories of how this happened. Uh there's there's one version of it where like he kills them and like their 6-year-old nephew and throws their bodies on a well. There's another version of it where they get strangled and he strangles them in prison. And this is like a huge outrage, but it's not a huge outrage because he murdered them. It's a huge outrage because he was supposed to wait for the trial. <laughs> I mean, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and th- th- this is one of the things that like this is this is part of how like fascism comes to Japan is that like he becomes a hero for the fascist right. Like he goes to prison for ten years supposedly, but he only serves three, and then he gets out. He becomes a hero, and then he becomes basically the head of like the 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 sort of fascist secret police in mm-hmm. the like Manchurian puppet state. But on the upside, he uh, when when Japan loses the war, he kills himself. So. <laughs>
4: What yay with the the story I had heard was the the throne in the well story, and I remember it it stuck with me so much because the first time I met uh, anarchists from Japan, they they gave me a zine, and it was like Japanese anarchist martyrs, you know, like the martyrs of our movement or whatever. And I was like looking through it, and there were all of these children, and it just like really emotionally affected me that I was like, oh, y'all's martyrs include all of these like. Lit- not like like literal like like six-year-olds and stuff because yeah you know they they came and, and killed not just the grown-up anarchists but the baby anarchists or whatever as well um i, I know that this yeah. has happened lots of places but it just it really stuck with me so i whether it's true or not the, the story i heard was this story about the well and it, it stuck with me
6: yeah i mean I, like the, the level of repression in japan like it's it, 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 it's unlike anything I've ever seen that's not in a country that's literally in the middle of a civil war. Mm-hmm. Like, they just, they just, like, murder people. Like, constantly. Yeah, and, and this is one of the other things, like, one of the things that starts the right-wing, like, turn in Japanese society is when, is, is when the earthquake happens and uh, the government is like, like, they're, like, the police are being like, it's the Koreans, you need to go fight the Koreans, and so they do. And, like, I mean, th- yeah, like,
4: Wait, they like blame the earthquake on the Koreans.
6: Yeah, well, so the everything is there's this fire. The fire kills like sixty thousand people. Uh-huh. Like it, it consumes. They're like they're, they're the urban core of uh, uh, what's the name of that city? Uh, the urban core of Yokohama just goes up in flames. And, like sixty thousand people burn to death. And that's the brutal. government needs some explanation for it. Yeah. I mean, it's horrible, but it's like Japan, the government needs some explanation for it. They're like, Oh, we'll blame the Koreans. Uh, and then okay. suddenly all of these people are just like, like the whole of Japanese society just goes into this total mobilization, like kill mode thing. And they just murder enormous numbers of people. And this, and like this has this enormous sort of like, like cultural effect, shif- shifting people back to the right and shifting people back towards militarism because now they've like, you know, like they've, they've tasted blood. They've like, they've gotten this sort of yeah. sense of it and it, yeah, it, it is brutal. Um, and uh, before we go, we're going to kill off uh, one more anarchist. Wait, we're killing uh, the, off the, the royal Niall- team. Can we kill off the other team instead? I Unfortunately, no. <laughs> None of them die in this story. It's the worst. All of the assassination attempts fail. It's so sad. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. That's all right. I what I, when when I asked you to do this, for? I forgot how depressing <laughs> this cuz I, I I was I was remembering part 2 of this, which is this like absolutely hilarious kind of pointless like ideological battle over like things that are kind of dumb. And then I forgot about the first part of the story, which is everyone gets executed. Yeah. So the, the last person who we're talking about who gets executed is, is is Fumiko Kaneko, who is Fumiko Kaneko. So she she she's a nihilist anarchist, but she's different from like everyone else we talked about today so far because when she's a kid she gets sent to live in Japanese occupied Korea and so she goes there and she gets like horribly abused by her family which leads to become like leads to her becoming a nihilist but it means that like okay so like a, like a lot of the anarchists like in Japan talk a big game about anti like imperialism right and like they will do things like yeah like they, they will go fight police to try to stop a war from happening but they don't really talk to people in Korea very much and Fumiko Kaneko was like the exception to that because, mm-hmm. you know, she, she lived there for a long time. Um, and she, she winds up marrying, uh, Pak Yol, who is a, a very influential Korean anarchist and they, they do a bunch of organizing. They, they, they specifically like their, their, thing is they're trying to like get, they're trying to like end the, the, the Japanese occupation of mm-hmm. Korea and you know, they're, they're doing great work. And then unfortunately after the earthquake, uh, it, she and Pak Yeol are and uh, uh stop me if you've heard this one before. They are sentenced to death for a supposed plot to kill the emperor.
4: Wait, we now, yeah, we already did this part. You're just repeating,
6: the yeah, story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They do it again. <laughs> this is the second time, like they just keep doing this. And this one, it's unclear if there was actually a plot. And if there was a plot, it's unclear to what extent uh, Fumiko Kaneko was, like, involved with it. But while she's getting interrogated, she's like, oh, yeah, no, like, I hate the Emperor. Uh, I was absolutely involved in a plot to kill him. Like, I was making a bomb to kill him. Uh, uh, also, I'm an anarchist. And here's, like, an incredibly detailed sketch of, like, all of the oppression in Japanese society. that yeah. I'm just going to tell you, like, the person who's, like, like the court examiner who's, like, and... and you know th- there's there's an interesting thing that happens where she and Pokiol are like are handed pardons as like the sort of like mercy of the emperor thing. And Pokiol like takes it. But Frico Kanako, like they hand her the paper and she tears it to shreds in front of them. <laughs> and it, it's so embarrassing that like the record of what happened is like sealed until after World War 2.
4: <laughs> Cuz it was a big like um it was like a big media scandal all of the stuff with them being arrested, right? And I'm I'm based, yeah, yeah. I don't actually know more, but I I watched a movie once. There's a great movie about this called Anarchist from Colony. This part of it.
6: Yeah, yeah, and she, yeah, and like, th- yeah, it's, it's this like whole thing, and like the, the, the government also kind of doesn't want to assassinate them because it looks really bad. That I mean, they've 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 picked they've they've arrested two random people who like have done nothing, and they're just gonna kill them. But for mechanicals, like, no, like I I believe in the things that I believe in, and I. I will literally like tear up this pardon and die for it. And so she tears up the pardon. And so she goes to prison and she lives long enough to write like the greatest entry in the, in the genre of anarcho-feminist, a Japanese anarcho-feminist prison memoirs, which is an entire genre. There's like multiple books (laughs) because this, it keeps happening. And these people get arrested and sent to prison. Uh, It's called the prison memoirs of a Japanese woman. It's great. Uh, Everyone should go read it. It's, It's also extremely depressing because her life sucks, but yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Um, yeah. And so now having killed off the leading intellectuals of anarchism again for the second time in a generation, uh, you would think that this would, this would kill the movement. Like, I think, I think like 99% of movements, like if, if you kill their leading intellectuals, like all of them, like twice in like, 11, 12 years like the movement collapses
4: yeah that but at the very beginning there was the guy who said keep the intellectuals away from the labor organizing maybe yeah. he was right well,
6: well but this, but this, this is this, yeah the, the incredible thing about this is no it, it doesn't it doesn't kill them they, they, they keep going like and they, they, they have they have one last glorious glorious and absolutely baffling hurrah okay of like infighting extremely weird no. and funny infighting Okay. So, yeah, that, that, that's what we're going to be talking about uh, next episode.
4: All right.
5: Yeah. It, it, is it time for the plug of the plug? Yes. Oh, oh, Margaret, you yes. you have a new podcast. Do you want to tell us about that? It's on this very network, Cool Zone Media.
4: On this very network, I have my own podcast. Is it called Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff? And does it.
5: I, I believe so.
4: Does it come out on May 2nd and is it produced by the Webby Award winning Sophie Lichterman? <laughs> uh,
5: perhaps. And uh, do episodes drop every Monday and Wednesday?
4: I think they do. <laughs>
5: Uh, that is super, super exciting and you can find that uh wherever you get your podcasts. if I, I remember correctly.
4: I, anywhere you get them. Like if there's a peddler on the corner who sells you podcasts, you're paying
0: get, you, get, you, get your podcasts. Yeah. yeah. Get your podcasts. <laughs> Half off today. <laughs> <laughs> two two for one. Yeah. Exactly. Uh,
5: and uh-huh. where and where can people follow you on the interwebs?
4: Uh well, for now, you can follow me on Twitter before the mass exodus uh, <laughs> at Magpie Killjoy. And you can follow me on Instagram, which we've all known for a very long time is owned by evil people. And that is Magpie Kill- No, Margaret Killjoy, because I wasn't clever enough to get my own name in both places. I don't know why I'm explaining this to you, but... You can follow me on social media, and that's where I am, and I post pictures of my dog that keeps barking in the background while I'm trying to record this episode.
5: <laughs> but but if you, if you follow Margaret, you'll see her dog, and you'll understand that it is worth it because he is handsome.
0: Very nice. And dog. agrees. <laughs> well, I'm very excited to start listening to CPWDCS, which is the best. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Oh, is that the episode? Episode. Yeah. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at slash sources. Thanks for listening.